to do we have any other non like any other words that we want to say incriminating or otherwise too late now we're live <laughs> hi everybody oh no what just happened see this is why i ask you not to do these things do you want to surprise us you don't understand we will just sit there and start spamming the words poop emoji just to see what happens in the captions listen i I'm aware. I'm aware of all of your shenanigans and bullshittery. I opened Twitch and the ad started playing and I didn't realize my volume was up. That was my bad. That's fine. That's acceptable. Okay. Uh, doing it live. We're doing it live. How's everybody doing? Uh, welcome to episode seven of Beacons of Calistry. I am your lovely court uh, jester of the day, the Empire Crow. And um, my pronouns are he, they, and I will be narrating as always this evening. Um, before we get started, I want y'all to go ahead and introduce yourselves. And we'll go in overlay order. So Sin, Rainy, Ro, and then we may have a Ninbins later. We might not. I am unsure. So hopefully Nins shall join us. Greetings and salutations, citizens. My name is Sinziak, your resident Sunflower Sovereign, who is playing the character of Rue. Our pronouns combined are he, they. Ah, that's two characters I have matching pronouns with. Hmm. Interesting. And um, as far as what I can, what I do, you can find me mostly here on the Twitch areas, playing video games and enjoying stories and enjoying video games about stories and usually being heckled by crow <laughs> like Love we probably everybody. will tomorrow because everybody decided we're playing for the king so that's a thing oh interesting Ooh. <clears throat> hello i'm in here eating pasta <laughs> we're professionals we're wonderful we are professionals excuse you uh it is not rude to have food on stream but hello hi um my name is rainy keys or sure rainy is. for y'all are so messy my brain. <laughs> that, that, that happens i'm being, hi. I'm being hi. encouraging it sure is hi uh, <laughs> I'm Rainy. Uh, my pronouns are she, they. Uh, my I play Alyssa Vesper, our ever wonderful necrotic archer. And you can find me here on Twitch streaming art and games um, at twitch.tv slash rainykeys or at rainykeys on Twitter. Uh, do carefully note, though, I graduate next Saturday. So my appearance on most everything is going to be nothing can we just never mind that and say congratulations because a bitch is about to graduate hello rita <laughs> when i tell you she has been trying to stop drop and roll up out of this school for a hot minute and she can finally leave I mean, it. I mean, I I can go more about that later on. But we do have another cast member introduced. So, <laughs> Ro, please. Yeah, and with that, hi, hi, I'm Monroe. My pronouns are he, they, respectively, and I play Danica, whose pronouns are she, they, respectively. 
And y'all can find me on Twitter as being an absolute gremlin of a writer, game designer, editor, and sensitivity reader on, yeah, at MonroeRo98. Also, Ro celebrated a birthday recently, like I think last Friday. So Thursday. Thursday, were, yes, I'm terrible time. There were libations. There was uh, ice cream cake. I have been informed that Ninmins will hopefully be joining us shortly. We have found the wild ninbins. But that being said, I guess we can have this pre-game chatter while we wait because it makes no sense to go into things and then have to do our ever lovely uh live tech issues. So uh for those of you who would like to, I guess I'll just take the floor because I've already taken it. Um <laughs> okay, for those so of you who do not know. Ah, the only time I'll ever do anything remotely political. <clears throat> so. You mean other than existing? I mean, yes, existing is the most political existence of all, but everyone God, exists. y'all, this is supposed to be a chill downtime session. Like. That's why yeah. we're getting our fire out before. Please allow me to continue. But uh, for those of you who do not know, I have been working towards my two degrees respectively for uh, five years. So I am getting a degree in graphic design and theater. And when I have told, and the stories I can tell about my trials and tribulations, what doesn't list last semester alone? Hello, a wild ninbins has appeared and shifted all of the Look overlays. And it is fine. Hello, Nin. We're doing it live. We're doing, doing it live. live. And we're still in the introduction section. So please, Nins. Hi. Take it I'm away. Like I'm also an Inbins. He, him, I'm playing Barry. They, them. We're wonderful. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're here. We also, appreciate you, Nins. Also, while I fix this overlay, I'm just going to say Nins has destroyed my life with a book series recommendation. I have read seven novels in a week. Seven like, novels? Yes, like seven mostly full-length novels. They are they are what fairly they are like fairly short by novel standards, but this series is like are we talking like short? Oh. It's like a oh, nine no. book series, but each book is only about like two hundred pages or something like that. That's short. Mm -hmm. oh. That is short. All right. I mean, when when it comes to like big fantasy series, you always expect like six to nine hundred pages per book, and it's like oh. Or one k, if you're looking at the more adult sphere of things. Anyways, let me get Ironscape playing, and we can finally begin. Listen, I've allowed a little bit of theatrics. Uh, so. <laughs> Only a little bit. Before we get started, I do want to just make a short announcement. I have dropped links into the Twitch chat, but Ether, the system we're playing on sale, or the system we're playing today, is on sale. Pardon me. Um, it's entirely a petty spite sale until Wednesday, so go check it out and have fun reading the description. We all, if you can't tell already, we all do petty and spice here, so please, please, pick up Aether. You some, won't regret it. Some people season their meals me. with salt I and pepper. Not. Some people season their meals with salt and pepper. We use petty and spice. How, how dare you? 
I'm, what? I do not know even the spelling of the word petty. How dare you? <laughs> Sir. Well, I was talking more on the spice side of things, but Sir. okay. I mean, I'm not out here on Viking weddings. Oh. oh. Right. I don't even know if Shad is here to get that, but good on you. So. Bit of a recap. Uh, last episode saw you all um, healing a hummingbird, potentially making friends, discovering uh, a plant that Barry was quite taken with, and then facing down a beast of legend and lore known as an Erdrex. Now, we open in the aftermath of you all having defeated this Erdrex, and Barry having just examined the beast, discovering a marking on its tongue. An emblem um, of a crescent moon over a twisted caduceus. Oh, this is just gonna like take a look at the tongue and then look at very. So, what to call on this one? I have to see an adult. <laughs> I am currently using Aromancy to dust off my clothing. You have to see. Oh, it's that serious then if you're already calling for an adult. So, Nins, we've discussed a little bit about this behind the scenes. Barry knows and has certain feelings about Chimera, of which this is very clearly one of those beasts. Barry doesn't quite know the Wait. history of this particular beast. No. Perhaps some minor mentionings of it, but give us a little bit of insight into how Barry is feeling seeing this creature. So, Barry has had, like, history lessons um, about, uh, you know, some of the things that his... Um, his grove mates have had to deal with over the the various years and among them are the chimera and i think that some of the stories that people share about chimera are um for them real horror stories well less opposed to horror stories but more like real frightening experiences um and in some cases, uh, you know, uh, in-depth descriptions on how to survive them. You know, search out their weaknesses, um, and then and then corner them into doing something brash. So, in that instance, would this be akin, you think, to see? For Barry, to seeing something scary from a fairy tale walk into the real world? I think for Barry, this is something akin to seeing something scary for real. Okay. Like, um, yeah, I think for Barry, this is because he's seen the, um, the Bane Horde. They are an issue, but when people start playing around with, with Chimera, that's a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. So, 
let's pause on Barry being shocked for a moment. Rue, you're cleaning your clothes via aromancy. Mm-hmm. You you have removed some of the soot of the burning ring, and you have removed uh, some very uh, fresh potential like blood spatter, and made sure that it wouldn't stain. Um, so let's move on to Danica. Danica, what are you doing in the midst of all this? Um, just Danica first impressions after the fight. Is immediately gonna turn to everyone and be like, um. Who got hit? Who took damage? Me, dramatic, like, clothes flying <laughs> back dramatically and flowing. <laughs> Alyssa's probably just, like, holding her her non-bow arm. Or her, the arm that holds her bow, and it is just, I'll be fine when we get back. Take care of Rue first. Okay. Uh, Rue, come here. I can I can help patch you up. Can I pull a small little, like, uh, first aid kit out of my bag? Okay. I can tell you right now that I don't have any other fights or anything planned, so you'd be more than able to effectively heal Rue over the next few minutes. Um... So, Rue, you are welcome to heal any damage you received. I will take up, I will take up on that. And then, do I notice that Barry is, shall we say, disquieted at this moment? Uh, I, I would say yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go um, check on Barry real quick. Um, so, did you find out anything interesting? Oh yeah, someone did a big bad thing. A what? A big bad thing. Oh, you mean this thing right here? But it's dead. What do you mean? Yes, but someone did this. This is a thing that someone did. Not a, not not two different things that came together in in some you know in, in the wild way that things come together. But someone... Someone made... You mean someone made or created this? Yes, like like a sculptor makes an atrocity of clay. Or like someone made one of those crystal creatures from the first town we were in? Well, less like a crystal creature, more like a crystal creature and an animal. Do you have any idea how long ago this was? Uh, considering how old it is, would I would I be able to uh, guess on gestation? So, I would say you can attempt, but you would have to start, you know, attempting to dissect the beast to some degree. Because you've never seen one of these before. The best you'd be able to do with your expertise is determine, you know, how long the magical processes that created this beast have been around. And to do that, you kind of got to get your hands dirty. Oh, great. Well, first, let's make a secondary check. Because we're going to we're going to use an examination circle. Absolutely. So what's your skill level for secondary? 
Uh, uh what? Okay, yeah. I'm going. I did not. I did I'm not vote for two. I'm gonna match it for difficulty, so it's gonna be one versus one. I forgot to. I forgot cursed. to level up Alyssa. <laughs> Don't worry about uh, it. This deck oops. is cursed. You have absolutely kicked my hide. I played a five. Also, same. I forgot about that. Okay, we'll need to add that to my list of things to do this afternoon. The beauty oh, of, you mean the level up characters? This, Did everybody forget? <laughs> the beauty of this system is you can wait to level up your characters and you should be relatively fine because it's a downtime session. So you don't have any worries there. You say relatively fine. Well, I mean, it's not like there's not going to be a lot mechanically going on. I'll put it that way. Very. Upon examining this creature, you lay out this circle and I imagine you almost just etch the sigils for this circle into the underbrush around the uh, body of the beast. And once the sigil's completed, it flares with a slightly sort of deep green forested energy drawing on the magic of the wild around it, and it directly feeds you certain information. So I'll say, you know that this beast was made as best you can consider in the proper way, quote unquote, in that it was not hastily hastily stitched together like a lot of amateur chimerists attempt. This beast was fused together magically from basically before it was born and then magically grown together as a singular beast, which made it much stronger and much more intact. As far as age goes, this would have been the work of perhaps months, perhaps years, depending on where the creature was stored during its gestation period. If it was stored nearby, as in within the boundaries of the woods, the fastest it could have been created was most likely over the course of six months. Just from the sheer energy been, of the wild. Yes, in this it would area. have been bigger because of the forest's influence. Exactly. So maybe we were dealing with a puppy. Where it could have come from in these woods, you have no idea. And unfortunately, it's been here for long enough that, well, you can see where it's been, but can't tell where it's from. Exactly. That said, as you are examining it, you do start to hear the slight sound of wings beating in distance. And you also start to hear noises. They would normally sound like bird calls, except these birds are so large, they sound like someone is playing a bassoon. Because they are just so much larger than normal. So the little peeps that would be from a normal hummingbird sound like woodwind instruments now. Yes. And you just hear them softly echoing through the woods as these creatures start to somewhat make their way back towards this meadow. Barry, is there anything else you would like to specifically attempt to examine about this beast in terms of information? Um, I would... Um, I think I would actually like to try and um, dissect the creature and, um, you know, examine its various parts. 
Okay. Are you looking to keep anything valuable from it, or are you just looking to break it down and see how it was done? I'm only looking to keep its um its armored plates. Okay. In that case, um, <laughs> hmm, what skill would you like to use for this? You tell me. Uh, I would like to use survival. All right. And difficulty on that? Uh, two. All right, so I'm going to set this most likely at a two, and then depending on how much you beat me by, I'll say whether you get more or less plates as a result. I can lend an assist if need be. Okay, that'll knock it down to a one. So if you two are going. Oh, okay. Because uh, Alyssa is interested in that. Okay. An eight? All right, I played a four, so you're good. Seven. I don't know if I was supposed to roll, draw, but... For now, I have it set where if you assist other people, it lowers the number of cards I play for these checks. Um, so, I'll say you remove a solid, you know, maybe five plates that you could use. Um, a lot of the plates are scarred from the fire or just wouldn't be usable for many things because of their odd shapes and forms but you manage to find some of the larger plates from its haunches and its back that you can keep and they'd be able to be used for various crafting means so if you mark down five urgex plates i'll let you use those in any kind of armor crafting etc etc so this is going for the teeth and the tongue especially with that symbol on it you can remove the tongue very easily if you want to keep that for evidence. Just know that it won't keep very long. So whoever you want to show that to or whatever. You're going to have to do that probably within the week. Uh, Doesn't keep long, he says to the necromancer who knows preservation stuff. Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> that, you, you got me. Um... So does Barry tell me about what they learn or what they find? Oh, yeah, Barry was practically shouting about it the entire time. So how old oh, is the creature? They, they made it here, so it would be bigger. Oh, it's probably no more, or no more than six months. If it was made here. If, well, it would. Given its size and the and the the, the residue of, of ether on the creature, I would put it close to six to seven months old. Could it have I been? I don't know enough about these creatures particularly to pinpoint that using biological size. Could it have been made somewhere else and then just dropped here? Um, Crow, yes. I have a question. Um, would, would, um, how far back exactly does, um, uh, Claromancy go? Well, you, you set certain restrictions for seeing into the future, but not into the past. So I would say, depends on how well your skill check goes. Um, okay. Like, I, I'm treating Claromancy as 
ask me for a thing and how well you play will determine how much information I give you. Okay. Um, well, I have currently because I was a goof and didn't level up anything. I have Claromancy at a two. Okay. You're not under duress or anything like that. So I'm going to set this um, at a two and we're just going to see how it goes. Okay. The two draws have happened. All right. What you got? Mm. Eat me by one. I got a 10 and an 8. We'll just, we'll just cascade and see how this goes. All right. <laughs> well, you definitely beat me out. So what are you specifically trying to see? What are you trying to sense? What are you trying to get a vision of? So this, um, so this, <laughs> I'm sorry, that just sounded like the MSN messenger sound for a second. And I had a moment, I had a moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Sorry. So what I want to do is, Barry said, like, this creature was made. I want to see the person who made them. But that means I would have to see the people who, like, brought the creature, like, who came here and, like, brought them to whatever spot in the forest to create them and all of this other stuff is what I'm guessing I would be looking for. Um, I don't know how far back in I don't know how far back in time that is for lore purposes. Hmm. This is an interesting question. So as you are I'll say starting to search for this. It starts to very lightly rain in the woods. For you, Rue, you go back and your vision shifts to show, you know, you can't exactly tell how much time ago, but it shows the inside of what could be a rough hewn cavern that has been established as what could be a lab um, for, for those, you know, how do I put this? For those of you familiar with alchemy and other things like that, it would look like an alchemist's lab with some changes. You see an alchemist's table with vials half full of various materials. You see a bookshelf that's been pushed up against one side of the room. You see various papers and materials out, some diagrams. You see a magical circle in the center of the room. And in the center of that magical circle, you see basically what appears to be it would almost be an aquarium of sorts and it contains a single large egg and walking around this circle pacing weaving and you know doing things to this circle tweaking it adjusting it etc adding materials is a figure you've never seen before he has Fairly dark hair that is slightly wavy, tied back and to keep it out of his face temporarily, it falls to his shoulders. He's wearing a fairly, what was once a good looking 
um, somewhat old world coat, almost like a duster, but it's frayed at the edges and it's got a little like stitch popping from the shoulder. You know, it's seen some wear and tear underneath it. He's wearing fairly um, well made, but simple clothing. He walks around with not quite a limp, but a bit of a hitch in his step as though, you know, it's maybe painting him on a rainy day. And even through this vision, you can hear similar rain to the real world. And his face is, shall I say, sharp set with a jaw, high cheekbones. His eyes are an icy pale blue and he's muttering to himself. And he's carrying a book, jotting down notes as he works. And you catch the slight hint of that same symbol on the cover of the book. And it appears that perhaps he's writing a log of what he's doing, or he is adding notes to a process he's already discovered. And then your vision comes back. You know, this is the second time I've seen one of these. I'm very curious about how this keeps happening. Come again? There is now just a large from grown all over, grown over us. <laughs> is it raining? Is it actually raining? Yes, it is actually is raining. Time? Appreciate it, Barry. Thank you. Uh, as so, this... like, I imagine that, like, what this looks like on a cinematic level is, like, I'm sitting here just like, okay. I've reached down to touch the creature um, and there's like a like let's say like a peppermint like kind of like a that really you know what like baby blue color of an aura that extends to the creature while I'm trying to learn about it and it starts raining and it's just like I see actual rain, but then I see like rain, the same kind of rainfall set way back in whenever this happens. It's like a video game transition scene. Basically. Um, as you come back from your very uh, video game transition, you see this frond has grown over all of you and you all sort of turn to see uh, Barry, you actually kind of get shoved from behind a little bit and hear a slight wheedling of, you know, bassoon-esque sounds as what is probably a very young giant hummingbird noticed your frond was keeping water away and has like shoved its way under the frond and settled down. And you see it's got this little alfalfa multicolored feather sticking up out of its head and it's just like nestled down and just looks up at all of you like, what? What do you want? I will. I would like to pet the hummingbird. Uh, you pet the hummingbird, and it looks um, not displeased, but a little bit put out, and it's just like, meh. No, just kind of. I just kind of like gently step out of the way under the frond, so that the hummingbird can have my space. It nestles down into that space, and like shakes some of the uh, water off and you can see um, this one must be very very young because it is perhaps you know maybe just mid thigh height to you when it's on the ground whereas the others you've seen could be ridden as like a mount you know something I thought about earlier 
Have we thought about taking any of those numbing plants back to the gnat to use as an anesthetic? Uh, there we go. <laughs> You, you see it. You see a marvelous beard of slumberjack plants, which are this lovely, like very light lavender color, running through. I see that the I'm, answer is I, yes. Yes, that is our answer. Yeah. Alyssa is just going to very carefully go over to the little young hummingbird and just like start scratching underneath its chin and around, um, around its ears because she remembers how her mother used to take care of young birds like that. So you start scratching like around its ears and you brush a hand over the alfalfa feather thinking it was like a quill that's about to fall out, but no, it just sticks straight up um, as like a little just aberrant feather. And you then... It an alfalfa yes, it is an alfalfa Alf feather. feather. Yeah. And then as oh. you start scratching under its chin, it lets out a little low hum and then like as you start to like kind of rotate your hands under its chin its whole body rotates with you to keep your hands on one spot so eventually you're scratching it and it's like zero gravity tilted about 30 degrees and it's just humming slightly and then it writes itself and sets itself back down whenever you stop scratching It honks at you pleasantly. Oh. I, I know they l regularly make little peeps as normal hummingbirds, but like, gotta adjust the sounds for the size large. of the bird. Yeah. They sound very large, so they would make bassoon noises. Or oh, yeah. maybe this one would be more like a flute. I was gonna be like, if only I had my clarinet. Oh. <laughs> We get live fully. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is going to just make friends with the burp like that. You effectively befriend the burp. Uh, also, you do start to notice some of the larger hummingbirds are returning to the meadow, and despite it raining, they are, you know, taking sips from plants that are still around. And you notice that, like, these boys get bigger than you. They are, they are horse-sized hummingbirds later in their life cycle. Alyssa, I would like to note that Alyssa is a very terrible size comparison. Maybe That's, your bow would be a better size comparison? Me. Yeah, it's like height-wise, they would match Alyssa's bow easily. Okay. Um, anyway, the thing I was saying earlier was that this is the second time I have seen someone in... Hmm... Let's just say really old clothing. I'm not sure where these people are necessarily from, but you know, in there is a cave with a roughly made lab somewhere in the area where this creature was made. Um, the person who made them has a, apparently had some book they were keeping notes in. It had a symbol similar to the one on this creature here. Uh, DM? Hmm? Would... Can Alyssa take a closer look at that symbol with the notation of that old clothes and the whole alchemy lab? Because this is very reading off of, like, 
home vibes, like the whole mutation of Aether there. That slight wrongness. Hmm, um, you certainly can. Hmm, well, I have, you know, just a question here. Should I... Hmm. How do I explain this? Is it this? Is there a description that I would be able to give Alyssa that would help making that? Would that help, would help make that make sense for you? Things like, um, this is what this person looks like, or this is roughly what their clothing looks like, or any of that stuff. Uh, if you give a description to Alyssa. I will. Most of this is just for like role playing notes for Alyssa, less like a role affecting thing. But if it does, then so much the better. If you give Alyssa a description, I will say it peaks a memory. I will not say anything else mm -hmm. until, you know, the giving of the description is confirmed, et cetera, et cetera. I would not mind. Uh, actually, Alyssa's going to ask about that specifically because the symbol, if the symbol is like that little bit of like this, I remember this from somewhere I grew up, she's definitely going to go back to Rue and just ask for better descriptions because this is the second time he mentioned old clothes but the first time it's mentioned in this sort of context of a person who has been messing with the wild. This is also the second time that has happened. Mm-hmm. Weird people with old clothes messing with things in the woods, and then all of a sudden bad things happen. No. Listen. This is me. This is me, Rue, with your public service announcement. Stay your ass out of the woods. <laughs> Unless you got, unless you have proper equipment. Unless you're Gabe James, in which case, please don't come out of the woods. We know you're okay. <laughs> um, that said, I will say, Alyssa, the symbol does not peak your memory. It is the description of the person's face. Um. So, if you ask me for a description, I'm going to tell you that they have, they had dark, wavy hair that was tied back into a bow, had icy blue eyes, um, very sharp facial features. They had a really old coat. Um, I haven't seen that around here anywhere, so maybe it's foreign? I don't know. Um, there was also a book that they had that they looked like they were keeping notes in but it has the exact same symbol as this creature has on it. Maybe that's their signature? Or a mark of some kind? Maybe that's the organization they belong to? Do y'all know who this is? Alyssa, I'll say this. Not a clear memory for you. This is like super, super young. We're talking four or five years old memory where you vaguely remember something from Blackwater about a person with that description. And you remember it being 
you know, they... You never met them personally, you just heard the description and that they were kicked out. You know, effectively exiled from the town. Mm -hmm. Nothing else piques your memory in the current instance. Ruminate. Could you perhaps I look at you detail? I look at you curiously. This is the first time that you've used my whole first name. Yes. I'm assuming that this is serious. This is very serious. Yes. Well, uh, could you... Yeah. Oh, Barry, this is serious, serious. From this description, and... I was young when this happened, but... Barry, no... Yeah. I've told you about home. My home. Sure. Nobody gets kicked out lightly. This person that Rue has seen was exiled. Are you certain it's the same person? When you are the caretaker of the dead in a town full of the dead, you learn You learn to keep names and faces. I don't remember the name because I was young, but I remember the face. And hmm. um, most importantly, do you happen to know what that circle looked like? TM, do I remember what the magic circle looked like that they were doing the transmutations in? You do. The problem is it never stayed the same. They, the figure was constantly adjusting it, so they would, you know, erase a rune and remake it in a different way. They would adjust certain portions of it and take a note. It was constantly shifting, so getting a singular I, pattern down would be exceedingly difficult. When I caught them, they were in the middle of experimenting on whatever led to this, so... There were some things I'm sure that were consistent, but they were changing a lot of things as they went along. Good to know. And you said it was an egg in the circle. Hmm. Which means that Moahel, how long ago were they exiled, Elisa? Well, this was... My father told me the story when I was four. It happened probably two or three years before that, probably before I was born. And you said that... Uh, how, how old did they look, Rumine? If you, if you had to play some Rue? In their 40s? No. They looked no older than Alyssa. The rest of you. Hmm. They seem to be, well, right around our age. Probably right around Alyssa's age. 
Whatever that is. <laughs> to say, you know, very vaguely mid-twenties. In an unnatural sense. Well, that means one of two things. Either whatever happened when Eliza was a child warranted the exile of a child, or this person has not aged in some time, which is a shame. I couldn't imagine going that long and not having one single birthday happen. That is quite sad. Rue, as, as you say that, the little hummingbird comes up and like shoves its head under your hand, wanting pets. Alyssa just like gives scritches if it's under her, if it's popping up under her hand. There it's is, under Brew. There is a very subtle kneel down as like Brew gets to like eye level with the creature to give oh, yeah, no. scritches. While y'all have been and talking, every- Danica has been like crouched like at eye level with the hummingbird the whole time because like I have no idea what's going on. Like there's this whole thing going on with me and the hummingbird because the hummingbird is adorable. Adorable. The it, forehead scratches. It has to like put its beak over your shoulder because it its beak is the length of a short sword. Uh like it is it's very stabby. Um and you can see like it must be young, but it has started feeding recently because it does have a little flecks of amber in like the crest around its uh forehead. So it doesn't have the full like amber lance effect that you see on the larger hummingbirds around. And you do notice that these hummingbirds are watching you to make sure nothing weird happens with the young one. And they're being, you know, cautiously observant. Hmm. But that I wonder what we'll... I feel like we should name... I feel like we should name them, perhaps. Give it a name if you wish. I don't think the... I don't think the flock will mind. Well, let's call this one the Don. Don. That is a very lovely name. But going back to your original comment, Rue, there have been people in Blackwater known to not age visibly. For what reason? The same reason why I look like marbled... Marble. No one knows. We are just... We are just as we are. The Delta itself has many interesting incongruencies. So, just to move things along a little bit, is there anything y'all would like to do before, you know, leaving the meadow? Burying the beastie. Yes. Very well. That's quite easy with uh, your control of geomancy. And burying it in the meadow, you notice um, having slain this creature to your magically gifted senses, you all somewhat notice that it starts to bleed magic power. Um, You would assume that whatever magic created it is now just sort of leaking out of it and burying it within the meadow should return quite a bit of, you know, stored magical energy to the area, so it might see a more prosperous bloom in the near future. It will be good. Um, I'll also write down an additional uh, sigil circle that um, uh, will convert um, 
you know, more dangerous types of aether into, um, or rather that will filter the, the concentrated aether in this creature and disperse it more evenly. Okay. Um, and I'll just like etch that onto rocks and throw them around. It's by no means, yeah, it's by no means difficult for you to create that circle. It's um, it's a somewhat different application of circles you've applied to beacon lanterns before. So for you, it's, you know, perhaps a half hour's work just gathering a stone to do it. But other than that. Yeah, Alyssa will guide us all out after a while. And you all, I'll say, have enough bushels of these feathers you were asked to collect by that point to get maybe, you know, five vials of materials to create healing potions. Um, but Nat will be pleased. As you all are exiting, though, you do hear a slight soft, like, burbling bassoon noise as teetering, if one could teeter in zero gravity, uh, teetering along behind you through the woods is the, uh, tiny baby hummingbird Adon. Occasionally poking one or more of you in the shoulders and or lower buttocks region looking for food. Um... I'm, berries are going to grow a branch from his shoulder and a bushel of the and a bushel of the of the slumberjack flowers. This Adan has an interesting and very difficult time doing this. There's a few times where one or more of you has to um more than likely Brew has to use a bit of aromancy to keep coaxing it along with you because it triggers the slumberjack plant by accident and falls asleep midair. Um, and you get to hear the very, like, soft, cooing snores of a giant hummingbird. Um, it just, it keeps trying, and there's one point, Barry, where it absolutely pokes you in the temple, attempting to get to the slumberjacks by accident. You get the sense that this bird is very clumsy, but also, he's trying. Oh, he's trying. Baby. He's trying his best. You're Barry's just like, that way. You're muted, Sin. You're muted. Said, let me try to use some aromancy to help this baby steer. <laughs> um, it absolutely does work. Having a bit more of an air current helps. Um, but you do notice that, like, the problem isn't so much with him steering as it is, like, he hasn't quite gotten the habit of adjusting rotation with his wings with his little zero-g powers, so he can float and he can bob around, but he's constantly just spinning himself in circles. Do a barrel roll! Um, <laughs> Basically. Barry is actually going to, uh, to watch... Um, he's going to watch uh, Adam very closely. Okay. Um... May I, may I, just over the course of the journey, may I make a, a, a survival roll to imitate um, the hummingbird's uh, zero-g ability? That's going to be... I hate to say no, but this is something that is, like, a result of its natural physiology, so it would take much more time than the course of this journey for you to learn, because it is a much more robust bodily modification than you'd be able to obtain during this. You can absolutely take notes and be able to do it. I'm going to say, um, so it just has the ability to, you know, basically for D&D &D terms, use the levitate spell. 
constantly yeah. um, as a passive. So if you would like that ability, and I know we're, we have conversations of leveling up and things like that, um, you'd yep. be able to take that as a passive if you chose to um, level up a skill or whatnot. Right. Um, it's just going to take you a bit more time. You know, you'd probably take about a week altering your own body to be able to do it. a lot of theorizing and a lot of tweaking and a lot of trying things and failing and all that sort of thing but uh adon absolutely uh attempts to follow you all out of the woods you know we really should send a dog back yes you say this as adon like settles onto your head very it would be very responsible to do that. It but would, yeah. We do not have, have, we do not have, <laughs> you don't have the heart. Uh, you know, not, not he, me. I know, very, very, it's understandable. Here, allow me. You know, I've dealt why don't with... we, have we tried asking Adon what Adon would like to do? This is also fair, but I just know that the rookery in the wardens will not have the space for our dear friend. And I'm sure his parents would like him back. As as you say that, do we Danica, see their parents just like like little key following? You do see a head poking out from behind uh, one of the larger redwood trees, just watching. I just wait, like while we're just standing there, I kind of look at that particular one and try to make eye contact with it and like wave them over, just like, hey, we see you. You can just come out. Um, as you try to do that, Adon, like, was on Barry's head and now rotates forward in a front flip and is now looking Barry, like, in the face, like, basically looking for more food. He's being a little greedy and, um, is trying to poke at your beard that has more slumberjacks in it. I, I'm going to puff him. <laughs> I'm going to puff him Thank out. you, bird. Okay, uh, you just hear the slight, uh, soft snores of a sleepy hummingbird, and it is rotating in front of you. Alyssa's going to very gently just, like, start prodding Adon back to the parent. Like an errant balloon, Adon just starts drifting <laughs> off towards the woods, and you see the parent, like, shift and shift and shift, and is basically, like, moving between tree trunks, trying not to, like... It seems almost like... It's trying not to spook any of you. And then as Adon just floats over to it, it basically, um, if you've ever seen a dolphin play with a pufferfish, and it catches Adon in a similar way where it just like soft jaws Adon between its beak and then starts pulling Adon back into the woods. You, he you hear the slight snores of a hummingbird fade into the distance. Bro is gonna die. Is going is going to expire. Alyssa is just very looking cute creatures, okay. Alyssa Everybody just watches just... all of this and just We'll see you dawn again once we come back this way, I know it. And then she turns around and walks right back into town. Now I think about this and just go, hmm, I wanna give this a try. And I would just want to use like aromancy to just like place myself in the air for a bit and just flip around in random directions 
You just... absolutely have an easier time of it than um, <laughs> than Barry would. Oh, uh, yes. just you know, I guess at some at some point this might be nice for like stealth questing things, so that we don't crunch in the leaves and all of that as we go through the woods. Yeah, you do start to notice that like while it's easy to get into the kind of neutral buoyancy state. It's extremely difficult to control without wings. You find yourself having to stretch your abilities a little bit and like. Because it's a it's like really fine. Air yeah, control at that point, yeah. It, it's almost microcurrents without the wings. You realize that like the job that the wings do for these hummingbirds is making it so that like underwater, for example, if you push a hand out, it'll rotate you the other way. And that's exactly what the bird's wings do. So, uh, that said, you all start heading back towards town. What would you like to do upon arrival? Go find Vanat. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with Rue. I think we're going over as a group. Yes, because we do have to do first the quest thing. Okay, you all head to uh, Vanat's little doctor's shop, and as you enter... You see uh, Vinat once again standing behind the counter, and it's been, it's not raining super heavily, but it's enough to make the day a little bit dreary. And Vinat just looks up, having worn very tiny, like, wire-rimmed glasses while he was noting in a logbook. And um, you notice he's wearing what amounts to, like, not really a dress, but it has, like, the cottage um, sundress, like, top, but he's wearing basically just pants as a bottom to it and um he looks up and is wearing a very wide brimmed almost um like having spent time out in the garden hat and just says oh come come in come in get out of the rain all of you i would assume you were quite successful by your return and your return the most part unharmed and he reaches out and he like plucks a twig out of danica's hair that danica hadn't noticed Mm, it happens a lot, yep. I mean, I'm pretty sure Vinat will notice the way Alyssa's holding her bow arm, but... Yeah. He does, and he just quirks an eyebrow and he says, Yep. Of course, Uncle Not. And he just reaches out um, a hand, and he will... To you all, it looks like he takes a nail and he just... Cuts his left arm slightly, and a little bead of blood comes up, and he stretches it out and has you roll up your sleeve, and there's this gash on your arm. And he effectively draws the blood out with one hand, and you see he uses his own blood to stitch your wound together, and then steal it at a distance. That is, that is quite efficient. And then he also runs a hand over his own arm, and you see his own cut disappear. So, and Alyssa just like turns down the sleeve back like she's done this before with Vinat. Mm -hmm. So I have some. Well, we did run into the hummingbirds. They are exceedingly friendly. I would assume so when they're not being disturbed. They tend to, um, I wouldn't say enjoy visitors, but we almost adopted one. Oh, you found a youngling, did you? They do tend to be very friendly. Also very hungry. They found us, and I feel like they were determined that um, they were not going to let us go. 
We did send them back with their parent at the last minute, but I hope I don't regret that decision. Oh, I'm sure you won't. Um, hummingbirds aren't the most intelligent creatures, but they do tend to remember a face. I have something, several somethings that are causes for concern. And I just kind of like glance back at the party. As this is happening, I would assume the party is like unloading the bushels of feathers that you've collected. And we'll we'll kind of gloss over that and just say whoever would like to keep those within their inventory for the crafting materials. I would assume it's going to wind up being Barry or Danica or someone who has you know, skills in creating potions. I don't have skills in creating potions, so that's going to be a thing. But Alyssa will lay down the tongue from the Erdrex. Oh. We found the source of the disturbance. But we also found the source of the disturbance. I don't know if you have... How do we say psychic capabilities? The entire time you've been talking after Alyssa laid the Erdrex tongue out, the symbol visible, Vinat has been still enough to think he'd frozen on a Discord call. Vinat. Just looking at it. Vinat? Uncle Not. He holds up one finger and passes a hand over the tongue, and you watch it rapidly decay as though all of the material within it and all the fluid within it was removed. And then he takes it in a hand and he crushes it into what would be, you know, ash or dust and throws it in his dustbin. Come with me. And he just waves you into the back room. Those of you who choose to join him, I do so. I'm I Alyssa. Do. Alyssa does not. Alyssa, you've never seen him behave this way. Yeah, this no, is... like, Alyssa does not ignore this. Yeah, this is... This is... You... She's heard of... Like, I've never seen him, but stories from my father and all the other Blackwaters before us about this particular behavior is you listen to the town doctor. This is one step further than that there are points like you've seen him do triage work you know when he's all business this is less all business and more like i don't think you've ever seen him tense for a fight but you would recognize the tension in the shoulders and the set of his walk and i think i can see the fact that he caused something to instantly decay on site in a house of medicine would be all the clue that i need to go oh he's upset so he takes you all back to what amounts to his office. Alyssa, you've seen this frequently. Barry, you've seen this once or twice, as you and he have probably um, discussed, you know, various aspects of alchemy and potion making together in here, in some way, shape, or form. He has you all sit down in chairs that he has there. And he sits in his behind a small what would be writing desk where you assume he keeps all of his own personal logs and you see the place is very clean very well kept he keeps some of his more um i'd say potent materials back here as well because he has a personal stock room and things like that that he keeps 
And he sits and he folds his hands for a moment and thinks. So I see you've all run into a bit of history in your travels. History reborn, as it were. Um, Rumine, if you don't mind. I'll take this from here right now. Would it help for you to be able to see the figure that I saw? I know the figure that you saw. And well. he kind of rubs his brow a little bit. What chimera was it? Must have been large, based on the size of the tongue. Erdrox. Or as various said. He's progressed that far. You seem to have run into an experiment by one of my old students. Your old student? Unfortunately. Alyssa just like kind of leans back and crosses her arms over her chest. And Vinat would know this as a very similar like family side, like a family body language of, oh, you didn't tell me this before. And you can tell he struggles telling this story. And he says, What do you all know of the old empire? Specifically with regards to medicine, mages, doctors, that sort of thing. Well, the one thing that I can't absolutely tell you is that every time I see one of these people from wherever this place is, they do weird things with creatures in the woods and then they come by and attack towns and try to harm people. I don't know why that is. Couldn't they make things that were a little bit more helpful, perhaps? Like things that protect hummingbirds or save the trees or, you know, guard the woods or protect crystals. The old empire, as I remember it, was the reason why Blackwater is as Blackwater is and how we are doing with the entire Horde, ba the Bane Horde curse for Kelestri. He takes a breath and he just says, you're quite right, Alyssa. And so are you, Rune, two very different ways. I'm sure they certainly would attempt these things if they cared about anything more than their own wealth and power, but they don't. And therefore, they become a pox on the rest of us. The old empire, and he leans forward and basically um, sort of settles on his writing desk. The old empire spends a good third of this continent. It was powerful. And it had many different, shall we say, breeds of magic. It encouraged magic for certain uses. Not all of it was good. 
as I'm sure you all understand, most empires are never quite content with their borders. You have all run into the creation, or at least the fruit of, work of a group known as the Crescent Pact. They were originally a group of alchemists and chimerists under the direct employ of Emperor Rackgard Valdis, the last emperor of the known empire. They were his not right hand, but they made his war beasts. The Urdrex was one of their creations. Many people who study the path of the Chimerist now, after the fall, have attempted to find their old manuscripts and lessons and rediscover them. Unfortunately, I had a student years ago who was exceedingly talented in transfigurative arts and in blood magic. Not unnatural talents, but it can be put to good use. You've seen me do a bit of that today, as he gestures to Alyssa. I took him on as my student because he showed promise, and like most promising students who are too young, his ambition outran his sense. He started experimenting with chimeras and expected me to cover for him. I threw him out myself. I didn't expect him to survive the wilds, but it seems he was a bit more resourceful than I expected. I can only assume it's him because he's the only one I know who would have both the talent and technique to be able to handle such a creation. If there is another Chimerist in this area with that ability, I do not know of them personally, nor would I know of their potential connection to the Crescent Pact. If there's more than one Chimerist that can be capable of creating this sort of thing, that's a problem for the Plateau. And he sits back in his chair awaiting your reactions and responses. To say disappointment is not on Alyssa's face would be a lie. Mm -hmm. I'm very sorry you lost a student in that way. Some days I am. Most days, I expected him to be dead by now, and I don't regret it. As far as I'm concerned, the world would be better off without him. But that's not my place to make that judgment. I don't know exactly what this means. The crestfall for anyone else at the plateau. I can only imagine what his goals might be, if it is him. 
But I also imagine that if this beast had been in direct use by him, it more than likely would have come into town. It wouldn't have wandered the woods aimlessly. My best guess, it was a remnant of work he left behind before moving on. At least that's my hope. This is not a coincidence. Things this really are. Not. Do you have um a, a pair of gardening shears? Yes. And he just gestures over to a side cabinet where so you can see. Very... As this happens, Liz is just going to just quietly leave the office and the knots as a whole. Okay. Do you also have a vase? I, I do, and you see some very, like, mildly wilted plants like they're they're just at the end of their life cycle sitting in a vase like they haven't been uh switched out yet Harry pulls them out lays them down solemnly on on the bench and then starts snipping his own um his own bed for for slumberjack cuttings okay uh interesting i i never expected uh, a plant folk grooming their own beard to result in a bouquet but i like this you, i you... mean come on barry grew this for a reason grew you're these for wrong. a reason you're not wrong and then and then he hands over he hands over the beard cave um to Bernard. um and he says you'll you'll probably not want to let these ones wilt As Alyssa has gone, Vinat sort of breathes again and just says, He's not going to like me for a while, that's for certain. But I'm going to warn you all now. I doubt... This will become relevant. But beware a family known as the Belladons. Their oh. ambition is broad. And mostly helpful. But my student was a product of their, um, intersection of talent and privilege, shall I say. Um, well... I mean, if the current situation is to be believed, well, you didn't think that we would have this person here, um, but they are. Um, and for what it's worth, a question, a query even, if I might. Um, would it help you to know where it was that they hatched this creature? For my own purposes of investigation, it would. There's apparently a rough-hewn cave in the, in the woods there. 
that they built their lab in. He kind of looks at you curiously and he just says, There's only one place I know that might have a cave like that in those woods. It makes sense. That would be the easiest way to hide it, I suppose. And he sort of is muttering to himself. I'll investigate. Thank you. I... I will say... Jasper will no longer have had any latent contact with his family. Their family is just... In the way that most powerful people are, a double-edged sword. I would not suspect them to be involved with this, considering how much shame he brought to them as a result of his actions. Just be wary. Well, what I can say from the many places I have been is that while may many of these people may not necessarily be enamored of his reputation, a few of them may yet still be very much enamored with his results. You are not incorrect, my friend. So, uh, unless there are any other questions you have for him. Would you... Uh, I believe Barry brought some slumber, some of the slumberjack flowers back. Have you considered using these for some kind of an aesthetic? Um, anesthetic? I have considered it for quite a time, but I found them too difficult to harvest without leaving myself unconscious in the woods. Well, considering these flowers, you may run into a similar issue. However, perhaps I might be able to be of assistance to you by allowing you to extract the pollen without it spreading all over your office. His eyes kind of light up at that. You can see he's going back into doctor and somewhat alchemist mode as well, thinking of the possibilities. Here. Allow me, allow me to show you if you might. Do you have a coin? I do. And he brings out okay. an older weathered coin from his pocket and sets it on the table. Okay. I use air magic to build a little bubble of wind that keeps the coin toward the center. Okay. He's a bit fascinated and smirks and he just says, let me grab a vial or two. And he goes over to his own sort of cabinet and pulls out two empty vials. And he just says, would you be able to thread the pollen into these for me? Well, I mean, if it's shapes that we need to consider, then I think we can do that. So, um, I'm guessing there's some slumberjack flowers nearby. Mm -hmm. The ones Barry has harvested uh, from his own beard. Um, Their own I guess... Beard I get one of them to um, to pop, and I make, instead of a bubble, I make a funnel that just brings the pollen into the vial. Yeah, and you're able to effectively do this with every flower in the vase. I'm not going to make you play for this because it's cool. And you notice it's not a lot of pollen. There's maybe like a thumbful in each vial, but... Vinat is very pleased and just, you know, caps them both with a bit of wax and a cork. And he just says, This is going to go a long way. I appreciate this very, very much. Thank you. Keep them watered. They'll grow roots soon. I will keep that in then mind, you can Barry. plant them in your garden and watch all the, watch all the stray cats fall over. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be... 
a morning amusement. Thank you. Well, at the, at the very least, I suppose, as long as I'm here, I do have at least one job to do every now and then. Oh, I'm sure I'll have a few more for you along the way. Now, if you, order... if you do make some, if you do make something of these, I would be curious to know about it. I feel like we'll find them useful, and unfortunately, sooner rather than later. Indeed. Mm -hmm. In that case, I will keep you updated. Now, if you don't mind, this has become an unexpectedly distressing day, and I would like a chance to rest. Understandable. We'll see you another time, good doctor. I'm sure. And, um, do check in on Alyssa for me. I don't think you'd be wise for me to be the one going after her right now. Um, I, I do so with a hand wave of acknowledgement as I leave, um, to go and track Alyssa. Okay. So. You two have exited. Barry and Danica, what would you like to do? Um, I would like to ask Barry a quick question. Oh, go right ahead. We'll talk outside. Okay. And, um, so, working with glass and metals, I have some minor knowledge about chemicals and such, but I was wondering if you have the time that is to, um, teach me alchemy, some minor alchemy. Oh, great. I do, I've got the basics down pat by now, so I can pass them along. Thank you. I have some prior knowledge from my parents, but it's not something that's really struck an interest until, well, recently, I guess you could say. Well, great. Uh, we will go and sequester a Gleam Warden workshop, and hopefully we won't blow up. Preferably. Yeah. Preferably. You two are absolutely able to do so. Now, we're going to um, move into the more downtime portion of this, and uh, we did start a bit late, so I'm thinking we might run until about, like, four after six-ish, if that's all right with you. That's fine. Yep. Um, because we started a quarter after six, or a quarter after four. Yeah, roughly, and that it might take about to that to just get to a point where I'm comfortable stopping. Um, that said, Rue, you've gone after Alyssa. Is there anything specific you're going to do, or is it more just spending time or a conversation? Hmm. Um, Sorry, I was taken with the weather at the moment. Um, so, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use Aromancy to get as high a vantage point as I can over the town. I'm going to pick the tallest spot that there is. And then I would like to use Claromancy to see where Alyssa will be two minutes from now. Okay. Uh, two minutes from now. I'm going to just broach into this event because it was going to be a random event that happened during this downtime week anyways. Um, Alyssa, two minutes from now, you'll be approached by a few Gleam Wardens 
looking for someone who can lay some miners to rest. Two of them gone in a bit of a cave-in. So what I'll do is if I can see where it is that Alyssa is going to be in two minutes from now, I will be there now and wait there for a minute and a half. Okay. That's, uh, that's good planning. Alyssa? But yeah, no, Alyssa's probably intercepted on her way into the rookery by the Gleam Wardens. Yeah, I would say, like, they kind of walk along with you to the rookery because they're asking you, like, hey, later this week, can we just have you come in and basically perform last rites for these two, um, for these two miners that were caught in that. Uh, are, they, are they going to be sent to, to be cremated? They, they tell you that, yes, uh, they're going to be used as part of the lamp rending process. Which is why a Gleam Warden's been requested for the, uh, I would call it a ceremony, but it's less ceremony and more, you know, mortician's work. Yeah, last rites. Of course. Well, do what I can. And then as you turn around to go enter the rookery, you would just see Rue is like leaning against the wall next to the door to the rookery. Alyssa just tilts her head a little bit. Would not be surprised that you found me here. Oh. I'm not as good as you are at tracking, but I have my talents. Of that I am certain. Alyssa, you notice as you're standing there, all of the rain seems to hit an invisible almost plane about an inch or two away from Rue and then slides off without ever touching his clothes. Just because why not? Listen, Just because why not? You've, you've exceedingly because said that Rue would be this extra. I really would be. It's a thing where, like, you know what? Just for just for flair and also for practice controlling my powers, it would be a thing where I would try to make it look like he's getting rained on, but he's not getting wet. wet. Why? Oh. It's like this like sheer like level of like air bubble that like keeps the rain from touching me. But also, hmm. well, I suppose we'll have some idea why I'm here, and, well, honestly, I can't say that you are in any way wrong for how you're feeling right now. Let's just say I might know more than I want to about not being told things, especially when those things are important. So he told you the family name? Damn, he did, didn't he? Belladon. Hmm. That he did. Walk with me. And Alyssa just like waves Ruin to follow her into the rookery. 
Okay. Now, we can have this play out on screen, or you two can kind of have a private conversation about it. I will leave that up to training. Do you want this information to be revealed specifically to the audience or only to Rue? revealed it to the audience. Alyssa's not going to go too deep into things anyways, but there are connections. And if Rue is our audience vantage point, it seems a little unfair. It's true. Then I leave this scene up to you two. So, Rue, um, you notice that Alyssa does not pay attention to the other birds in the rookery. She goes to a very particular corner. And in this corner... There are two night jars. Night jars? Night jars. Okay. Also commonly known as corpse birds. And as she walks up to the birds, um, Alyssa's just taking off the gloves from her hands and reaching out to just pet one of the... just to pet one. The Belladon family has had an interesting tie to the back to the Blackwater Delta. For as long as they've been there, which, from the accounts of what I know, has been about roughly two hundred years out of the three hundred years that my whole entire community was formed, they've been nothing good. So, the exile of one Belladon is not unheard of, but... Let us just say, it is because of the Belladons that Blackwater's... incident. The one that was nearly mirrored at Twin Creeks... existed. So they're responsible for destroying your home. Yes. In a sense. I won't put, wholly put the blame on them, but their inclusion in our community eroded eroded a lot of safeguards that would have kept back the Bane Horde. That's my understanding that these are people of means, no? Esper Barons. Filthy ilk. Esper and the spirits of this world have very interesting connections, and I cannot... I cannot tell you these things, for I only know what I know. It's... A science that has yet to be fully discovered and even researched. And the Curse Tech Corps has people interested, has had people come out to the Blackwater Delta for multiple of years to try and figure out why exactly my home has survived the way it has. But we still don't know. 
and we probably could have known if the Belladons had not moved in. Taken a structure that was not theirs and then tried to rule the land as if it was theirs. In this moment, in this brief pause, I do want to interject. As you are telling this story, Rainy, you do feel a very comforting presence of a hand on your shoulder. And you know what that presence is. It's exceedingly familiar to you. However, Rue, hmm. you, you don't interact with the spirits of the dead. You are more tied to the spirits of the mind. But in this instance, you do see, you know, you've had some moments where in calmer moments you could interact, not directly with them, but you'd get vague impressions. And in this moment of peace with rain pattering on the outside of the rookery, you do see a very slight silhouette. It would almost look like... Um, I mean, sorry to interject, but Rue would have seen this with the firing, firing line yep. during the fight. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, Rue, you would also see, you know, you would think it was Alyssa's own shadow on the wall behind her and the way the lighting works. But it's too close. It's too tall and too broad shouldered. And it very clearly, like, that's her shoulder at one point. And then it just somewhat fades out of you. You know, I've been wondering about that. So you also see the spirits. Alyssa, in your ear, you just hear. Oh shit, you can hear me. Oh shit, it's him. <laughs> Kill him. Do it. <laughs> I can't remember which voice that was, so that might have been the super deep one by accident. That was the super deep, deep one. one. Oh, I did uh, not hear it at all. In that case, this one? Yes. Oh shit, you can see me. There we go. I forgot if it was two or three. They get flipped. Um, if they're, I, they might be curious about whether or not I can perceive them. And the answer would be, yes, I can. Not in the same way that you do, but as you may have noted earlier during our interesting moment at the caravan, there are some ways in which our abilities are alike, not similar and certainly not identical, but do have points of intersection. And this is one of them. Well, fuck. Rue, you get the slight impression that this spirit or whoever they are just has their hands on their hips behind Alyssa and is just like, huh. Oh, this is awkward. Well, Alyssa. Would you mind if I introduce myself? That'll be fine. Okay. Then, here is how I will do so. Um, and I extend a hand. Uh, the slight for shadow... What is, for what it's worth, it is glowing green. 
the slight shadow extends a hand to you, and as they make contact, that green sort of stretches into them for a moment and makes them a little bit more present and a bit more solid. And you see, um, actually, perhaps Rainy, you would prefer to describe the figure. Okay. As okay. you envision them, because I, I worry about potentially getting this description wrong. I also have a description for you that you might enjoy. Well, um, the figure that Rue sees is a very, as, uh, as Kroos described him, a very um, broad-shouldered, a good couple of heads taller than Alyssa, a half, half-orc. I don't think, I think we've discuss, discussed mountain orc lineage? Yeah. Yes, uh, mountain orc lineage. Um, of that, I was, I most, mostly envisioned him as more of a sort of lapis lazuli kind of mountain orc. So dark, sort of but struck through with blue? Yeah. Sort of, but lapis lazuli is more of a darker blue struck through with gold, like flecks of lighter gold. Gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So this figure takes your hand. And, and a noted thing is that on the figure's back is the exact same bow that is on Alyssa's. Markings, string, and all. I have a question. Does this being have a corporeal form of the ability to interact with corporeal things? You get the sense that they have a limited ability to interact with physical things with regards to potentially moving them, but other than that, no. Okay. So, I would say... At this moment, like, for just perceivable things, there would be this kind of somewhat larger than me superimposed figure of me, but in green, interacting with this person. Yep. And there is this almost uncomfortable intertwining of powers here. Because, as I mentioned earlier, spirits of death are slightly different than spirits of the mind. Spirits of the mind are what get projected into dreams in the dream realm. They happen whilst a creature is still living. Spirits of death are what remains, if they choose to. Um, and for the audience, this is a bit of a unique trait of this world, but if you... Staying behind is a spirit after you die is a choice. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen out of extreme emotion, you have to actually make your case to the goddess of death to remain. So this figure clasps your hand and you feel this intertwining of a remnant of death with your power over dreams and interactions with spirits of the mind. And it allows for a few, you know, brief moments of interaction where this figure says, um, Nice to meet you, finally. Omega. What did he just say? A gone. Nice to meet you, finally. I'm a gone. Freaking uh, caption nerd. I mean, technically. <laughs> hmm. Well, 
My name properly is Rumine. Um, he just nods and smirks a bit, and they'll say, um, I'm not going to turn the voice changer back on because now it would sound to you as though you're interacting normally. He'll just say, well, thanks for looking after this one. She tends to get into a little bit of trouble. Unfortunately, I'm not helping. He just smirks and he said, I never helped much either. I think we're going to get along swimmingly. Hope so. Just, um... Be careful, you two. And then the connection sort of fizzles. You, you, you... Just... Just like there's like a slight... I'll continue. I was going to say, just before, like, Agalan decides to slide back, Alyssa just very quietly, you and I need to have a discussion. Because you need to move on. He just says later. It's always been later. Well, to be fair to both of you, it's not like you really had the time recently. I'm assuming, considering that you haven't really mentioned this person, that this is probably one of those things you would rather have kept quiet, so your secret is safe with me. Thank you. Agon was one of the many people I lost. A year ago. Mm. So on to the real question that the people would like me to ask you. And I pretend that this is a microphone. Do you plan on speaking to the knot again at some point during this life or no? <laughs> Time will tell, but for, for a couple of weeks now, no. Fair enough. If On the one hand, I... Oh, hmm. I had a very sinking suspicion my father knew of this. As it were. I suppose he has some reason, rather, for behaving as he did. That doesn't necessarily make it a good decision, and it certainly doesn't mean that you have to speak to him. But, for what it's worth, if forgiveness can be found, I hope you find it. I hope so, too. Because honestly, I feel that band-aids are going to become real expensive the, um, with the amount of them we will require. And with that, I think we're going to jump back to Barry and Danica. So. Yeah, after that, Alyssa will just wave real away, just like, hey, I just would like to spend a moment alone with my birds. And um, because we're, you know. Yeah, we're all getting, we're getting close. 
a little bit late in the episode, so I'm going to start montaging through a couple things. First off, actually, I will say this, Alyssa, you will throughout the course of this next week or so of downtime uh, in game, you'll mm -hmm. perform that ceremony for those two. Yep. Barry. You're muted. Muted. <laughs> Barry! <laughs> After starting to teach Danica the basics of alchemy on this first day of your break, you are tumbling through all of these thoughts and all these possibilities in your mind. And that evening, though it is perhaps a bit odd that you would have a dream in which you don't see the forest, that is exactly what happens. As you dream, being in the middle of a town. In the distance, you see a lake with a single island full of forested trees. Around you, there are sounds of shattering wood and collapsing buildings. And standing over you is a towering urgex that roars in your face. And then you awaken from this dream. Dream. That wasn't great. <laughs> it certainly wasn't, but when you wake, you have trouble telling the difference of whether this was a dream or a memory. Danica. Mm -hmm. Was it Danica or Alyssa? That was Barry. Oh, oh Barry. Danica. Barry leaves, um, and you are, you know, packing up the supplies in this uh, workspace you have commissioned from the Gleam Wardens. And it's a bit later in the evening, and as you are doing so, you hear a soft knocking at the door. Uh, um, come in. The door opens, and you see perhaps the most finely dressed person you ever have. In contrast to you, who perhaps has a few splotches of chemicals on your shirt currently, um, is wearing probably a protective apron and some gloves and so on and so forth, you see a figure walk in who is wearing a broad um, skirted, almost ball gown that is entirely black and has a lace sort of overlay to it and a lace bodice to it. She is wearing a set of black satin gloves, and you know that these are, these have to be old world clothes, or at least made in the style of the old world. And you see a woman walk in who is wearing a black lace veil over her eyes. And through that veil, you can see tied up into a very artistic bun and updo is raven black hair. And you see sharp cheekbones, and a sharp chin, and icy blue eyes. And a woman walks in with crossed hands and she says, Are you the one they call Danica Dolcetta? 
I am. You do work with stained glass, yes? Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, mm. Wonderful. Um, I was wondering if you are able and willing to take a commission. I, cer I certainly have the time. Yeah, yes, of course I could do that. Um, wonderful. Let me take a moment and then I will explain. And she snaps her fingers and you know suddenly that there have been people who've been waiting outside. And they appear to be attendants or servants. And they come in and they're also very finely dressed, though not quite as finely as she is. And they bring in what appears to be a stained glass triptych, which is a trifold um, sort of panel of stained glass depicting... How do I put this? It is depicting what appears to be an old castle or cathedral on a hill above a town and what would be the background, you see a lake and hinted at in one of the panels off in the distance is a single island with woods. And she says, you can see that a few of the panels have been discolored by light over time and a few of the panels have cracked. And she says, I was hoping that you might be able to um, do some restoration work on this piece for me. And on behalf um, of my family. Uh, yeah, and I kind of take a, a look at it and, like, look, inspect it properly, and I said, and I start muttering to myself, like, yeah, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be too hard of a project. I most certainly can get this done. Real easy. Wonderful. It's a great relief. Um, I... I would request a deadline for this work to be done in um, less than a month's time. I, uh, I am unfortunately in a period of mourning, a few weeks, um, due to the passing of my father. After these few weeks pass, I will be welcomed at a ball held by uh, Baron Talisir in town, and I would like to unveil this piece as a tribute to my late father. I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Um, I will make sure that the work is perfect. I, I appreciate your condolences. Um, I know that this town does mostly trade rather than use currency, so in that tradition, I would be willing to trade you your choice of finer craftsman tools for your work, or a set of unused beacon lanterns awaiting a crystal. I imagine a member of the Christek Corps, such as yourself, would find either one useful. That is a very generous offer. Thank you very much. Um, I will take the time to consider which option I would prefer, but uh, thank you. I will have these most certainly done for you. And she kind of just tips her head and she says, The Belladon family thanks you. 
and she will take her exit with her attendants. As soon as she leaves, I'm just gonna be like, oh, do I tell Barry? Do I tell Rue? Do I tell Alyssa? I mean, yes. Yes, I, I, I know all of them, but I'm like, who do I tell first? Um, you also get the sense that, like, oddly, she seemed pretty normal outside of the dress. Like, outside of the very, like, rich old money aesthetic, you got no sense. There were no red flags going off in your head for this outside of the warning that Banat gave you. She seemed pretty normal. Well, I will mention this. I don't think Danica is quite aware of Alyssa's connection to the Belladon family. Uh, only Rue knows that right now, because mm -hmm. Alyssa walked out before Vinat gave the warning. So yeah. if that if that puts your order of immediacy for who you tell first for Danica, yeah, because I did change. Because I did hear the name. Mm hmm. You you so. would you would have heard the name uh, Belladon from Vanat, yeah. um, just in terms of a warning of them being very ambitious and so on. So, I'm just you... gonna make a quick note about it in my uh, professional notebook before I pack up and leave. Yeah, and I'll say, don't worry about making that decision here considering we're kind of reaching the end of an episode. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. absolutely figure that out, you know, in the vague term of downtime. Yeah. Now, I will say there is one other thing you wanted to do during this downtime that we can resolve on screen. Yes, I did. You also have a dream. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, well, because what I wanted to do first was, like, meditate with the sword to message them first. Right. You meditate with your blade. And for reminder to the audience, this blade is almost immaculate as a rapier. It appears to be forged of gold, or at least something akin to it. And its basket hilt has been wrought into the shapes of flowers and various vines. You're sitting with it, and you can feel a slight hum, almost like it has a tuning fork aspect to it. You're sitting, and you just send sort of a, a feeling out and focused on the blade of just falling out. Nothing happens while you're meditating. But you do feel not necessarily a response, but when you focus that call onto the blade, you do feel it hum possibly a little bit stronger. And then later that night, as you rest, what dream, you know, what what space is your dream taking up? Right? Is it is it the forge again? It would be the forge this time, yeah. 
as you are dreaming and as you enter your dreamscape, you set to start, you know, your usual work, and you're practically planning the triptych restoration in your dream. Yeah. And almost immediately, a figure steps in from behind the door, and you know who it is. And they are almost rushing in. They're wearing bright green clothing this time around, a deep emerald chest plate with their own golden, what looks like a broadsword strapped to their hip. And they have their own almost fiery hair, but this, this looks like if it unbound as it is currently, it's practically a lion's mane of hair. And it looks like they have just recently torn off a helmet and they're carrying it in their right hand. And Halcyon reaches out to you and lays a hand on your shoulder and just says, Annika, what's wrong? I felt your call. Did something happen? I wasn't expecting you so soon. Hi. I'd, I'd have appeared in the mortal realm if I could have gotten to a portal fast enough, but... What's wrong? I haven't felt a call like that since... Well, the first time. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming so soon. It wasn't an emergency, but, um... Now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. I feel bad now. Um... No? No, that's fine. I'm I'm glad it was an experiment and just not something bad happening. And you see you see Halcyon visibly like relax. And then you start to notice Halcyon has like a few gouges in his armor. And one of the sleeves, like between the plates of his uh, arm guards and things, is slightly frayed and cut. And you notice there's a gash or a chip out of, you know, the visor of where his helmet ends. Now I feel like I should be asking you the same question. Oh, this, um, this isn't, sorry, um, I didn't have time to change. <laughs> it, it was work. It is what it is. We had a few nightmares slip through and it's, it's fine. I took care of them. Wait, you're not seriously hurt, are you? Me? No, no, no. Um, how do I put this? If something were able to hurt me easily, I would not have risked leading it to you. And he just sets the helmet down and then kind of leans against where you have this sort of dream version of the triptych laid out. And he just says, So what did you need? Uh, was this just you seeing if you could call me up if you needed me? Kind of. Because I'd never done that before. But I did have some questions. Since, you know, you are, um, however old, hey. Time's sort of irrelevant here, but... Go on. I wanted to know what you knew about 
a few topics. Um, if you knew about the crystal that's in town. Where are you on right now? Yeah, the broken one. He closes his eyes for a moment, almost like there's he's thinking and you feel a pulse of magic radiate out from him almost like a radar pulse mm. you're not close enough to any overlaps with the dream realm for me to be able to tell i'm sorry I, i'm a bit limited here unless i was in the mortal realm um i just i wouldn't be able to tell you could try making contact with the sword and i might be able to get a glimpse of something or two but Outside of that, I, outside of you, I have no means to detect things in your physical realm. Okay. I'm charming and beautiful, but I'm not quite that powerful. And he just winks. You are too much sometimes. That's fine. I like you being too much. All right. Well, you had other topics, and he just sort of shifts his position a little bit and leans again. How much does the topic of chimeras come up in the dreamscape? Oh, nasty things. Tend to be the source of a lot of nightmares, to be honest. And almost. How about specifically in Erdrex? I haven't encountered one of those for a while. Um, they used to be, or at least nightmares based on them, used to be much more common. Back then, there was problems going on in the mortal realm that we didn't keep track of, and then we were dealing with the Nightmare King ourselves, and the Nightmare King found quite a few that attempted to take the shape of Erdrex. Um... Mostly, those nightmares are born of fear. More than anything else. There were a lot of people afraid of them at that point. Um, but there were quite a few of them, and they wound up being... really destructive. Um, as for real Erdrex, I, I've never encountered one personally, but if they're anything like their nightmarish companions... Uh, they're not a fun time. No, they're not. We encountered one today. You did. Hmm. That's a rarity to say the least. Hmm. Must have been leftovers. No, I don't know. Sense of time. You you get the sense that like when he says time is irrelevant here, you you get the sense that this person has not like personally taken notice of the passage of time in the mortal realm of Earth. <laughs> Ever. There's yeah. just, just been no sense, need. Considering the dreamscape. Yeah. There, yeah, there's just never been a need to understand the passage of portal time. And he just says, I don't know. I see it. You could have just run into a remnant of whatever was causing those particular nightmares. No, this one was new. Oh. Oh. It's a mildly terrifying thing for someone to get their hands on. You dealt with it, yes? Yeah, yeah, we did. I 
Turns out scared of fire. Yeah, must be stuff. I'm trying to remember what other questions I had, but I think those were the main ones. Okay. There's a point where Halcyon just like stops leaning against your work table and like walks over to you, puts his hands on your shoulders and just says, I'm glad you were able to deal with such a threat so well. Don't think I could have done it without, you know, kind of gesture to him. He just says, well, I'm sure you'd have found a way to handle it, but I am always glad to take some of the credit and just smirks. And then there's a point where he reaches his hands up and brushes some of his fingers through Danica's hair to like push it back out of her face. And then he just says, I'm just glad you're all right. Make sure you take some rest, please. I may need to... You too. I will be on leave from the court soon. And I may have some functions that I need to call upon you for. Don't be surprised if I come and make myself known to you in an instant like this. Got it. Just be aware. And, um... You... Where do I put this? You can call me through the blade when you like, but I get emotional impressions from it, so... And he, like, he does that thing where he puts his hands kind of right here at the base of your skull and the back of your neck a little bit, very gently, and then places his forehead against yours and then just says, So the next time you call me like that, Please do make sure you focus something secondary on it, whether urgency or peace or calmness, so that I know you're not calling me fully out of trouble. I will try. Thank you. And then he gives you a very quick kiss on the forehead and says, I need to get back. The gate has been a little bit restless lately. And he steps out, and you've never, like, seen Halcyon disappear before. He always sort of just is gone. But you watch as he sort of, a wind out of nowhere, like a warm summer breeze, sweeps that mane of hair back as he sets the helmet on his head again. And the armor he's wearing and the helmet he's wearing make him look, um... It's almost like if it was a Spartan helm, but without the plume. Mm -hmm. And the armor itself is sort of a chest plate and, you know, arm guards and greaves and sabatons, all made of this almost solid color green. And then there's a bit of almost this blackened fur that gives off like wisps of smoke coming out from the collar of the chest plate. And then he looks over his shoulder and he says, I'll see you again soon, and, um, remember, don't be surprised if I come calling for a ball or a feast or something like that. And he erupts into a plumage of flame, and you get the biggest sense 
of a large flaming bird taking off and disappearing like a shooting star off into the sky of the infinite forest. Okay. So why is today the day that um, Danica just gets to be constantly flustered? Because it's beautiful. <laughs> Ro decided to tell me that Danica wanted to talk to people. And those oh, people did. happened to be an archfey who is very attractive. <laughs> but I mean, it's things like, why is this hummingbird so cute? And why is it doing adorable things? Why is everybody adorable? Why is everyone hot? Why? <laughs> like, I feel like that's every, every interaction. Because like, we have just been like an increasing amount of blushing up to this moment and I don't understand why <laughs> because we can and now <clears throat> uh, we are at about the end of our time so I will say there is one slight more thing I could do but I will do it off screen so as we exit today uh, before we go everybody in overlay order sin, rainy, road, nins tell people where to find you Hi, um, you can find me here, obviously, because guess where I am? Here. And that's where I'll be in two Sundays from now. Also here. So that's a thing. But you can also find me on Twitch on Mondays and Tuesdays at Sinziac. You can find me on Twitter at Sinziac Beta. And, you know, depending on whether or not I am asleep, you can also find me in the astral realm. Hi, um, I'm Rainy. You can find me here at Twitch at Rainy Keys. Um, you can also find me uh next like this upcoming wednesday on the 5th uh with the wonderful show of routes unknown which crow is also a player who is hosted by our wonderful wonderful sponsors and producers um rpg hour uh i play agnes both there and we're actually wrapping up i think season one of routes unknown that this episode so uh, don't miss it sweet <laughs> i think so that's what the schedule says but other than that you can find me at Twitter at Rained Keys, and again, twitch.tv slash Rainy Keys. Uh, just a note, though, I will be on a very long hiatus this week and probably leading into next because I am graduating from college. So, yay! Boo! Boo! <laughs> Get out of here, boo! Hi, and I am Ro, and you can find me mostly um, causing mayhem on Twitter at MonroeRo98. That's generally where I like to um, fester. Uh, no, that's not the word. I just, that's where I am. Hi, I'm Ninbins. You can find me at Ninbins on Twitter, you know, um, making snide comments about people staying in their lane. <laughs> And uh, as always, I am Crow, your narrator, and the court jester of the Eighth Empire. Um, thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed it. The system we've been playing today, though we did not make many checks, uh, is called Ether, and you can find it on sale uh, via finding me on Twitter or using the uh, exclamation point TTRPG command in chat. And so you can pick that up, plus its first expansion for 20 bucks right now until Wednesday. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Stay safe. I hope you enjoyed. And we will be back in two weeks with probably what I'm going to consider the start of a new arc. Um, because we're getting into shenanigans. Shenanigans.
So, uh, have, have a wonderful week, everyone, and goodbye. See y'all later. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, that is the wrong one.